Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tengo bailando rompiendo. ¿Y dónde está mi gante? Me fue a buche la teta. ¿Y dónde está mi gante? Say yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and thanks for listening to episode 42 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to this U.S. Latino pop culture show, thank you for discovering us, and please, if you can, share with all of your friends. Oh, boy. That song, if you haven't heard it yet, ladies and gentlemen, is Mi Gente. It's from Colombian J Balvin and Willie William, who also produced the track. This song has been getting tons of global play. I mean, when Kristaps Porzingis from the New York Knicks can't stop talking about it on his Instagram, you know you got something going. And many people are calling already the song the next Despacito phenomenon for its potential to become number one on the Hot 100. It's, it's going to be difficult to do, but... There's a lot of potential here for it to happen. Now, the reason I began to believe that the song might actually might actually have a chance, a shot to make it, was when this week, J Balvin, I was just going through my Twitter feed on my tweet deck, and J Balvin had tweeted out that he, w- he was literally like freaking out that New York City's Z100, what I consider to be arguably the top pop radio station in the country, uh, had made it their number one song on their airplay rotation. Then I found out from my friend Angie Romero from Spotify on her Instagram page that it's number two as the most streamed song on Spotify's Global 50. Then I started doing a little bit more research because I was like, wait a minute. Then I found out it's number two on Billboard's Hot Latin Charts, right in back of Despacito. And then I looked at the Hot 100 just to kind of see where it was. Dude, it's in the top 50. It's number 42 on the Hot 100 English. So I guess we have to ask the question, can it make it to number one? Here are my thoughts. I think that Despacito, for everything that it's garnered, it's a fluke. I don't think that this was planned by Fonsi and Daddy Yankee. I think Justin Bieber liked the song. I didn't think he knew that it was going to become number one as well. It's obviously been a bit of a phenomenon. It's something freaky that occurred. Uh, Everybody's just enjoying the ride. But if you ask Fonsi to do it again, he won't be able to. He'll tell you that. Things like this, when when songs hit number one, it's really out of your control. And mi gente, even though it's heading down that route, I think the best it can do is be a top 10 song. I mean, look, if you want to put a gun to my head, 
All right, let's go to number five. Let's go top five on the Hot 100. I just don't think that this song could be a back-to-back Spanish tune at number one. Now, if it actually does, look, I'll eat my words, but one of the cool things that if it does happen, it'll actually erase the, 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 the achievements of Despacito because this song would be truly 100% in Spanish. No remix by Justin Bieber, any English language artist. This would be 100% Spanish. So look, fingers crossed. I hope it makes it. In the meantime, on this episode, we're going to be reviewing Romeo Santos' new album, Golden, with Rolling Stone Magazine's Latina music critic, Isabela Raigosa. We also discuss her Q&A with Romeo and whether this guy can really make bachata mainstream in America. Also, how is that Prince Royce tour going? I speak with singer and good friend Katia, who is currently touring with him as his backup singer, and we had an impromptu phone call where she tells me the inside details of her sexy, sweaty solos that she performs with Royce every night, how she got the gig, and man, how did it feel for her to sing in front of her hometown New York at Madison Square Garden. So keep your headphones on. This is the Highly Relevant Podcast. Joining me now is Isabela Raigosa. She is a music critic, a Latino music critic, one of the uh, very few in this music industry. And uh, she's a music critic for Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, she was uh, had the privilege of interviewing Romeo Santos recently, wrote an article about it, a Q&A. And uh, I have her here now on the podcast. Isabela, thank you for being in the Highly Relevant Podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jack. It's, it's a pleasure. So... I am looking for articles on Romeo Santos on the review of this album, Golden. Uh, And I'm trying to find Latina music critics, and I could barely find any. I mean, what is going on with the industry that there are very few Latin music critics and Latina music critics are even a lower percentage? I thought this would be something where... Hispanics would over-index in this category because it's music. I totally agree with you. And, you know, it's kind of one of the things that uh, boggles my mind because, you know, you see all these mainstream uh, chart toppers and you would expect, like you said, them to be indexed all over the web. And I don't know. I mean, I recently came across one from the um, ABC News, uh, but it was just kind of like a straightforward journalism, not really like of a review kind of format but it's the truth i mean we are kind of a uh, very niche in what we do and i mean i would definitely want to see a lot more you know just representation within the whole journalistic part you know um bringing artists like romo santos or j balvin into like the mainstream us and just kind of i was expecting like apple music to have a review of, of romeo santos i was like all right well maybe maybe they will eventually maybe it's still a little too early i don't know it's like what do you have to do in this business to have a major music label uh, or a music outlet to hire more latinos uh especially because of despacito especially because of what romeo santos has done um, uh, you know, I'll tell you my story about Romeo Santos later. I mean, but this is the guy that went to the Today Show and for the first time ever had a bachatero on the Today Show mm-hmm. and mainstream TV live at the plaza. Wow. That's never been done. That was done wow. on a Viva Today uh, special 
uh, about a year or two ago, and that was coming off of two nights at Yankee Stadium sellout. And so, you know, congratulations to you. How were you able to get into this business and write for Rolling Stone magazine? I mean, obviously, it's been a struggle um, because it's not really easy for a mainstream outlet like Rolling Stone or back back at one point Vice and, you know, paper magazine and so on to really want to have that kind of global representation. I, I do understand because a publication like Rolling Stone were definitely thriving, you know, within the whole rock atmosphere and then hip hop, you know, so and pop, obviously. Mm -hmm. So just to have some regionalist, you know, megastar um, be spotlighted, I think it's really cool. Um, and I think that I, at least in my personal case, I did start off my career at Remescla actually uh, several years ago. And I then um, went on to be the an editor at MTV World. What was cool about MTV World was precisely that we were trying to get global superstars that were non-American specifically mm -hmm. into the American public. So I think that it was a great effort that, you know, we definitely had like a bunch of, you know, like Taiwanese artists, K-pop and J-pop and obviously Latin American artists. So then just trying to bring awareness and, you know, some fandom in, in the in the States. So um, do you feel it worked? Do you feel that trying to cross over, trying to make English language Americans, blacks and whites, more familiar with the Latino sound and have them embrace it as if they were own music. Do you think that concept or that theory worked? And if it didn't, what needs to happen? Because I know that's, look, Despacito, I love the phenomenon and the success it is, but I also think it's somewhat of a fluke. It's an anomaly. Yeah. It's not something common. It it's not common. I know Mi Gente is with J Balvin and Willie Williams is trying to make it there and it has a good shot fully in yeah. Spanish. But we would need to see three or five of them to really crack in. So all the work that you were doing at MTV World, did you feel it worked? Well, precisely with MTV World, I don't think that we were given much of a chance because the plug was pulled out too soon. I do feel like it could have really like kicked off well, especially because um, this is the example right now that, that we're talking about, Despacito, you know, uh, Romeo Santos. So that is basically... It, a hit doesn't happen overnight, like Despacito. You know, we we were slowly and the American mainstream introduced to these, you know, reggaeton songs on like the the occasional uh, mainstream airplay. So when it hits, it's obviously a universal rhythm that is super catchy and is awesome to dance to. But I feel like the public uh, in general has been slowly maybe subconsciously preparing for a hit like this and that's, why <laughs> that's the an interesting success. point of view like it's been dormant within <laughs> us like okay it's going to happen anytime soon but no one's going to talk about it let it just happen i know <laughs> i mean i don't I, I assume that that maybe carried out a bit of a, a factor in it you know <laughs> that is so funny well let's talk about romeo santos's new album it's called golden uh let me give you my first impression so far uh it's interesting you know I've never, Romeo Santos has been such a staunch person against singing in English that as soon as you listen to the album, uh, the first track is called Golden Intro, mm -hmm. and he sings in English, and I was kind of shocked about that. Me too. And I said, wait mm -hmm. a minute, wait a minute, this is, you're being a hypocrite, this is a bit of a contradiction, I mean, you can't be telling journalists since the beginning of your career, and by the way, I did this when um, Frankie J., uh, uh -huh. did the cover song for, what was it? 
Amor no es amor. I'm a horrible singer, but uh, but you <laughs> but, but you get what I'm trying to say. So yes, I had asked him straight in his face, why didn't you sing the song? It's your song. You wrote it. You speak English. You can sing in English. And he was like, ah, no, it's not my thing. I want to do Spanish. So for him to kind of start singing in English right off the bat, he's trying to make a statement. Yet the um, rest of the album mm-hmm. has barely any English on it. So mm-hmm. uh, two, a lot of duets. Uh, he explored, like you said in your article in Rolling Stone, he explored rhythms like reggaeton with Vega Sensual, uh, Daddy Yankee Nicky Jam, dance, sort of uh, some 50s R&B I heard in there, some bossa nova, some 80s yeah. synth. Uh, and yeah. then, obviously, once again, in this album, he's obsessed with the haters, and he's obsessed uh-huh. with uh, his arrogance and his high self-esteem, which I find quite hilarious. What were your impressions of the album as soon as you started hearing it? I felt the same thing as you about, wow, you know, this guy is always, you know, big on the not crossing over to the English market with, you know, his Spanish lyrics. Right. So when I did hear that song... I mean, I think it's a great song. I I totally enjoyed it, but for his image. So then when I did hear the rest of them, I was like, okay. So, you know, to me, and as a whole with this album, as you've touched on right now, he does tap into a bunch of different genres, you know, synth, bossa nova, a vintage rock, etc. So I do feel that I think this album as an artist and as a person it basically represents a bit more of him because obviously like he's not from the Dominican Republic. He's from the Bronx, you know? So he's gonna like, I think that this is more him, like who he really is because when I even just interviewed him, he, the whole interview was in Spanglish, you know, like English yeah, and I Spanish, like mixed in together. And also a bunch of the songs that he's done in the past do say a couple of like statements in English, but obviously the whole song isn't in English. So I do feel like, wow, just to, he did. I did mention that to him also. You know, I was really surprised when you did say, say, sing the song in English. And I did ask him, was this your first one? He says, no, I've, I've done other songs in English before. And I was and I guess I had overlooked that aspect of it. Like, oh, OK. So this is something that shouldn't be so shocking then, you know. Yet it is <laughs> because he definitely does not promote that or doesn't want people to be fully aware of that. I mean, one of the great questions that you asked in the article and uh, and it was the misconception uh, regarding this English language crossover that Hispanics don't have to go into English, that English has to go to Spanish now. He says, quote, there's a misconception in my opinion, but I think that it's fading away because of the success of Despacito, which I'm so glad. And it's that we Latinos have to go do an American album, an English album, an Anglo production to cross over. I sold out two Yankee stadiums and all of my hits are in Spanish and they're bachata. That's a sign that you don't have to do that. You don't have to assimilate. The number one song in the world is reggaeton called Despacito, and that's beautiful. So it sounds to me here like he has no goals whatsoever to ever sing a full ang- a full album in English like Maluma's planning on doing. Yeah. He has no sort of sense that he's going to quote-unquote cross over and become an Anglo artist for the world. He's going to be a bachatero through and through, and he's going to sing in Spanish or maybe even some Spanglish, but Mm -hmm. that is it. Do you think that he'll ever change his mind? Do you think that Rock Nation and Jay-Z at some point are going to say to him, listen, man, 
it's a very limited space. It's a limited niche. You have to sing in English. You speak English. You're American. You're a New Yorker. You've already <laughs> sang in English. You've already had Drake and Usher and everybody else on your album. What the heck are you waiting for? What are your thoughts? I did particularly ask him the question of if he ended up planning some down, down, some down in line uh, singing an English album and he shook his head saying no. So I did ask him that. I didn't include it in the article, but... Where do you think this is coming from and why is he so against it? I don't think that he's against it. I feel like, obviously, even just looking at America, right? I mean, I, I think... I'm not sure if I'm right in this statistic, but in uh, 2025, like 25% of, of Americans are going to be Hispanic or something like that. So... You know, we're definitely seeing a lot more representation of Latin music within the mainstream. So I think that he, I mean, I do think he is a visionary artist because obviously, like, um, even though Juan Luis Guerra was bringing bachata to the Americas outside the Dominican Republic, he sophisticated the genre, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, and I do think that Romeo is the most popular bachata artist today, right? Absolutely. And I do think that, you know, he has... He wants to take it as far as he can, and he's going to continue doing that. And um, I did ask him, well, you know, uh, talking about uh, Formula One and Two versus uh, Golden, mm -hmm. there's definitely a sonic transition, you know? Absolutely. And, and it doesn't feel totally bachata like the other ones. So I do feel like I mentioned earlier that it does represent him a bit more with who he is and where he grew up and the music exposed in his surroundings that he incorporated those elements and i do feel like he's still being true to his style you know what i mean but he did definitely evolve a bit he's more he's very right? authentic that no one can uh, can can contradict um what do you think his ambitions are? What do you think he ultimately wants to achieve as an artist? Does he want to have a phenomenon song like Despacito, but in bachata form? Does he want bachata to reach English language mainstream, which I will, I just do not ever see happening, at least in my lifetime. I just think that bachata, as much as us Hispanics love it, it is still a folk sort of tradition of the Dominican Republic. It's like vallenato, yeah. you know? You're going to have to yeah. modernize bachata to a point that it doesn't even sound like bachata to fully have a white American from the Valley, you know, in the OC in California to fully say, I want to listen to 10 albums like this. There's one song they could be like, okay, I like that. But, but a full length album or a whole body of work, I think it's a little bit too much to ask. So what do you think? You he's, think it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a stretch. So what do you ultimately <laughs> think he wants to achieve as an artist? I asked him that as well. Um, he did say that he wanted to continue breaking records, you know, since he already impressively has with even just the selling out the Yankee Stadium. And then with Aventura, he did that with Madison Square Garden. And, you know, it was certified like the album 11 times platinum. So I do feel like he just wants to keep going bigger, you know, and that's and I mean, I did ask him, like, what down the road he wanted to do. And I mean, he's right now totally entrenched in music, but he does also want to take acting. more of a behind the more yeah, acting and producing, actually. Ah. So he wants to be he, I mean, he's already doing this with uh, well, sort of with uh, rock, uh, rock nation Latin. He's bringing he, he's, he's he's the CEO of uh, rock nation Latin. He, yeah. And he's working with all these artists that are like up and coming uh, talent. 
and basically just being kind of their uh, an artist artistic manager. Sort of like what you know, Dr. And, Dre did with Eminem. Dr. Dre did with Snoop Dogg, totally, where he's you know totally just said, okay, totally. I'm Dr. Dre, but you know there's nothing for me to prove anymore as much. Let me take in and refresh my sound, find new artists that challenge me and take me to the limits. That's what I think that where mm. he's heading. Besides breaking more records with Golden, and like he did say, there might be a Golden Volume 2 if uh, yeah. it continues within the same format. What, what did you think about Golden as an album? Do you Where do you rank this album compared to everything else he's done with as a solo artist and with Aventura? Is this his best work ever? I personally do think it's wow. his best work yet. Wow, big words. And the... And the, well, personally, because the reason why is that I feel like there's more of a from the songwriting perspective, it's a lot more broader. And I think that there's been a lot more narrative in it, you know, like papel uno and papel dos. I really yeah, that was that, uh-huh. that was really interesting. Fun angle. Yeah. Yeah. And also he told us the story behind the scenes with. Julio Iglesias and the song called Amigo. Amigo. Huh? Yeah, and uh, he did say there's a subliminal message in there. Can you try to guess what it is? And I'm like guessing, and I had wrong answers. What was and it? He's like, well, I I don't know if I want. He asked me personally, please don't reveal it because I want people to keep guessing. Uh, I'm sure you'll uh, find. Okay, out. well, you know what? You're gonna have to tell me via email because I need to know what this <laughs> is. If you can't reveal it here, you know, uh, you're you're. I'm gonna find out. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to find out and the answer will be out there globally for everyone to know. And it's and I was a little bit surprised because and that was one of the, his questions like I mean his answers to me that I liked how not everything was totally ultra racy but there's you know like a PG PG13 or PG song mm-hmm. which is Ego Favorito and he says I wrote that song because I heard kids singing Propuesta Indecente, and I was like, I need to get her those audiences, you know? What are your favorite tracks out of the album uh, that you really connected with? Um, well, I really liked Sobredosis a lot. You know, I actually felt that the intro, the golden intro track, yeah, right? uh, resonated. Set the tone like for the he- whole album. Oh, oh, I got that golden touch. It did, but it kind of reminded me like slightly of Michael Jackson, like him singing in English. Well, like, there was um, really a di- yeah, because of his high pitch voice. That's very that's his hallmark trademark, you know, sound. Uh, but one of the things that I that 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 I found interesting with Golden Intro, which is the first track of the album, it's the lyrics. I mean. I mean, the arrogance yeah. and the hubris on, on Romeo, you know, and the character that he portrays on stage is hilarious. Like, here, let, let me let me uh, read you uh, some of the lyrics uh, of that album that I just find crazy hilarious. Cada cien años das un artista como yo, con el carisma y tanto flow. Líricamente el mejor, that's right, say it again. Soy el cantante favorito de tu hermana, de tus panas, hasta el perro de tu casa. How much of that arrogance is really who he is and doesn't that arrogance turn people off yeah it does but that's the character that people enjoy you know and why would they enjoy arrogance that's kind of propagating that everybody should be arrogant it is and it's messed up i mean you know but but it 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 was shocking at first like before i've ever met romeo santos this is the second time 
that I meet him, you know, and I was very surprised the first time because I wasn't sure like who he's who he was going to be in person. And that's why I asked him the question about, uh, do you feel that you're, you're, you're one entity, Anthony Santos, you and when not in performance with Romeo Santos, is this what is this who you are? And he laughs and he says, no, it's the character that I've created because I'm actually a shy and conservative person. But, you know, and like the whole vibe that he gave me was that he was shy and conservative. I mean, he wasn't. <laughs> um, he did address that song and the lyrics. Uh, oh, yeah. He did, he did walk me through the entire album track by track. Um, when That's I was awesome. There. That's, a, you know, the other uh, songs that I particularly like that um, I just connected with and, and I truly enjoy. I mean, definitely worth repeat plays. Uh, Carmin featuring Juan mm-hmm. Luis Guerra, beautiful, soothing ballad, you know, and when Juan Luis comes into it, those two guys just together on stage and, you know, in one song oh, yeah. is just the beautiful. Oh, piano riffs. Oh, I loved it. Loved well. it. Me hubo en fantasías muy profundas Le pingo un arco iris y un jardín En un circo de flores me inundo de emociones Y mancho mi mejilla de carmen but I think that the one that really stood out more than anything else in the album was Vuelo a la. This has had some, some has some of the most hilarious lyrics because it's about a nasty breakup. And the girl that he has on the album is a, is a, is a woman by the name of Jesse Reyes, who sounds just like Amy Winehouse, or at mm-hmm. least has that vibe. But she sounds Colombian when she speaks Spanish. So your thoughts on that song and this girl, Jesse Reyes, and why he would kind of go into that 50s vintage rock, 50s R&B sound? I did also was very shocked, especially too, by the, by, by the character, the arrangements musically. And I asked him, it gives me like a Richie Valens vibe. Yeah. And, For those of you know said, who don't know who Richie Valens is, he's the guy who uh, sang La Bamba and, and wrote it. But Richie Valens, who it died has, like, very the early. It has like Donna feel to me. Oh, Donna. Oh, Don. oh yeah, my the whole God. Yes, the you nailed a- it. <laughs> and 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 then he actually said, you know what? I was actually thinking about Richie Valens when I wrote this song. And Get Donna, out of here. Nice. And Donna, Donna was not the uh, song he had in mind, but Sleepwalk. He wanted to sample Sleepwalk and make wow. the, you know, like the screeching, like very <laughs> beautiful riffs. It's yeah. very beautiful as well. And but he said that the tempo was way too too slow for you know the the overall sound of the album that it would have kind of like slowed it down a bit more. And then it would have really been like the offbeat song of the whole album. Well, ultimately, I think Golden is one of his best albums. Definitely, he looks like he's trying to explore different rhythms, explore new heights as an artist he i don't think he just wants to sound the same this album obviously gives the listeners something different um and i think it's something different that still stays within his universe of bachata he's just expanding bachata to its full limits and i think if you guys want to see somebody who's stretching out his arms who's really sort of 
uh, trying to become a, 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 a true global artist, I think Golden does that. So thank you so much, Isabella Raigosa, music critic for Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, the article is Romeo Santos and Reinventing Bachata, Befriending Jay-Z and Crazy Fan Tattoos. Isabella, thanks for being in the Highly Relevant Podcast. Thanks so much, Jack. I had a pleasure speaking with you and I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for having me. It's time for Jack Dick. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. The new James Bond movie, Bond 25, will release November 8, 2019. Wonder Woman 2 will hit theaters on December 13, 2019. Anne Hathaway's in talks to be in Barbie movie. Michelle Pfeiffer and Lawrence Fishburne are joining the Ant-Man sequel. Perch 4 is happening. Fox is developing a Doctor Doom film, and according to a survey, people like IMAX 2D films instead of the 3D experience. In TV news, congrats to Latina actress Jaina Lee Ortiz, who has been confirmed as the lead on ABC's new Grey's Anatomy spinoff. HBO's True Detective Season 3 might become a reality very soon with Mahershala Ali as the lead. Jaime Camille will be in the new Mamma Mia musical in Los Angeles. Jon Stewart is about to release his first stand-up comedy special in 21 years on HBO. Ann Curry returns to television on a new show on PBS, and Oprah Winfrey's own renews Queen Sugar for season three. Switching over to music, MTV VMA nominees were announced this week with Kendrick Lamar leading the way with the most amount of nominations. Katy Perry will be making $25 million as a judge in American Idol and just got announced as the host of the MTV VMAs August 27th, Justin Bieber cancels the remainder of his Purpose Tour. Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee criticize Venezuela president for using Despacito for political purposes, and the vinyl boom seems to be over due to a low quality and high prices. And finally, in digital and social media news, Apple is discontinuing the iPod Shuffle and Nano. Facebook is claiming it now has 2 billion users. Twitter stock is down because it's no longer increasing users. WhatsApp hit 1 billion daily users, and the hottest app of the moment is Sarah Ha, an anonymous gossip app. So Prince Royce is wrapping up his five world tour in Miami July 30th, and, um, hmm, you know what? My friend Katya is his lead backup singer. Here, let me give her a call. Let me see if she'll answer the call since she's busy right now. Uh, but maybe she'll tell me how the tour's going and how everything's going with her. Oh, give me a sec. Hello. Katya. Hey, what's up? How are you? <laughs> what's going on? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in Maryland right now. First off, did you just play Madison Square Garden? Yeah. All right. All right. You you got to explain. This is your hometown, New York mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Madison Square Garden was your dream. What was it like to be on stage? at Madison Square Garden with all those screaming fans singing your heart out. It was amazing. I mean, I feel like this whole experience has been super incredible and I feel extremely blessed to be a part of this band because not only is it, you know, a group of musicians that are insanely talented, but we're also all really good friends. So to go every night and play music with my friends and just jam out for an hour and a half is super amazing and of course I'm from New York I'm from the Bronx and being in my hometown and one of the biggest venues in the world is 
crazy and literally a dream come true. How many comp tickets did you get and did your mom and friends get to see you? Oh, I only got four tickets, but my mom had already bought hers. Like my all my friends and family had bought tickets, so I had like a group of 20. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your mom's reaction seeing you on stage at Madison oh, Square Garden? Oh, she was right in the middle. She was right in the middle of the stage, her and my sister, and she looked so proud. <laughs> I was actually nervous. I was a little nervous. To, I know she. Um, I know she's worked yeah. really hard to make your dreams come true. Yeah. Because I've I've known that journey for quite some time now. So mm-hmm. I imagine it was really emotional for her. Was it? Um. No, she wasn't crying. She was just super proud and smiling, and I could see her smiling the whole time and watching me dance and you know just let myself out of my my box, you know, like let loose and just feel the music. So. I asked her what she thought, and she said everything was great. That's crazy. If I was your mom, I'd be in tears. I'd be telling everybody, look at my tears. They're for my daughter. (laughs) My dad was there, too, and he was recording the entire show on his phone. Of course he was. And he had a USB, um, those, like, portable chargers. And I was like, wait, (laughs) recording the whole show. (laughs) All right. So what were you doing before you started touring with Prince Royce? And Um, how did this gig come to you? Well, I just finished college, so I was doing my last year of college, my last semester, and I got this gig through the musical director, Chris, who's also the bass player. Um, I had known him via social media for a while, and they were looking for a singer, so I auditioned with the song X, which is a song that I get to sing with him um, during the show. What's what's the name of the song? X? X. La X. La X. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I sent in that song, and I... It was right when Five was released, when Royce's album was released. So right. um, he was doing like press and stuff, and then I followed up, and I got it. So now I'm here. So the audition process. How many times did you have to audition? Was it grueling? No, it was just one. I sent in a video, and then I obviously, you know, rehearsals. So just to see if you mesh well with the band and everything. So so I'm for assuming that rehearsals and all of that was also like the next step. So for you listeners that are listening out there right now, uh, go follow Katya on her uh, Instagram and her Twitter account. It's Katya Sings. And mm-hmm. she has all these videos of you like bumping and grinding with Prince Royce on <laughs> solos. We're dancing <laughs> So what, how did you get to play that song with him? And was it like mind blowing for you to be that close to him? Sweaty, singing your heart out on this <laughs> sexy song. Oh yeah! To be honest, like the first time during rehearsals, I was like, "So can I touch you?" Like in my mind, I'm like, "Right, right." Is this is this allowed? Like, how close can I get to you? Because <laughs> you know, either way, like, even if it's a performance, you need to know the person's boundaries and what they're okay with and what they're not. Absolutely. Without me knowing him, and without me genuinely asking him, I just kind of felt it out. So I I mostly let him take the lead because obviously it's also his show and it's also all his music and stuff. Right. And he has a girlfriend, Amari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And with with X, um, he just decided, you know, at this point, let's get up and do a couple little bachata steps. I'll turn you and then we end the song together. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Now, did Prince know you from before, from like the voice or anything like that? I'm not sure. I mean, maybe. I haven't really asked him. (laughs) But I had already sung backgrounds on a song for him. So 
I know he knew like of me, hopefully, but right, either right. way. Now, are um, you guys you know, tight? Are you guys like friends? Will you stay friends post tour? Or I think we're all friends with him. So yeah, he's a super cool guy. He's also from the Bronx, and it's yeah. that same kind of vibe. How much English is being sung at the concert, and are there any non-Hispanic fans attending? I'm very curious about that. Well, yeah, there are definitely non-Hispanic fans. Um, a lot of media people as well come, and not everyone is Hispanic. When it comes to the fans, there's a variety. So there's, there's like white of, girls, um, black girls? Yeah, I would say there's... A, I mean, to be honest, when I'm on stage, you can't really see much. Right. I can't see the people that are there, but from the the there's English and Spanish spoken during the show. It's a mix. So well, I would assume there's a, a wide variety of fans. Oh, that's great. And how mm -hmm. many songs are on the set list? And how long did it take you to learn to sing all these songs? Well, at first I was sent 43 songs. And wow. I, I, learned, I learned all of them because I'm super extra. And that was like my homework. <laughs> okay. And so, was that, that must have been fun, I assume. But, but was it difficult or grueling? I can't. I still cannot learn a full song. I still can't. Well, the thing is with me is I can. Like my entire life. Whenever a song comes on the radio, uh -huh. I already know it. Like, I'm that girl that knows every song <laughs> on the radio. Um, when I go out with the guys, they're like, wow, you really know every song. And I'm like, yeah, if it's like top 40, if it's pop, not even like in general, in general, like I pick up songs super quick. So I went to rehearsals and I had a little binder with all the songs in order and I knew all the notes already. I just had the words there in case I tripped or something like I slipped up and I needed a reminder. But that was like what I took as my homework but how do you do that katya it's just always come natural to me like i just listen to it over and over again and i pick up the melody and all the notes that is insane now did yeah. your twitter like follows blow up during this tour um i would say more everything has like especially instagram because i post a lot on there what's next for you for me i'm working on my own music and i know there are a couple more dates coming up as well with the five tour so i'm hoping i get to go along for that journey as well and um i'm just gonna keep working on my own music obviously my main dream in life is to be on my own tour and tour with my own music so mm -hmm. that's the next step for me and expecting you know, the the more I've grown a lot on this tour when it comes to my stage presence, because with X, you have to be very sexy. And that's something that I work on because I'm more of a cute kind of personality. So like you I've never always... thought of yourself as a seductress? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I if I do at this point. Like I was asking my mom, like how. Well, yeah. I've seen your Instagram accounts. You're like on the pool. You're with like a bathing suit. You're like with these black Catwoman like yeah, outfits. It's, it's, it's things like that. Yeah, it's things like that that are helping me go into like that ese papel, like that role. Right. Like that's why I'm trying to do it more so that. I, you know, para aprovechar ahora, you know, with my age and stuff, that I can do that. Pero se te ve bien. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, because I've, I've never yeah. seen you like that, per se. But yeah. now it's like you're, and I don't want to say you're becoming a woman because you are a woman, but it's like there's this sexual maturity about you that's starting to come out because of this tour. It, does it make you feel uncomfortable like it's not you and you don't want to do it or are you embracing no, the sensuality I, yeah, of I, it all it's more of embracing it and i actually want to push it more whoa to the point where, i'm just saying because right now it's still super como pg 
like it's not Nicki Minaj. It's not Nicki Minaj. You know, like J Lo, like a, she walks into a room and it's like um, sex appeal and like super seductress. Well, she's sex on a you know, stick, J Lo. Exactly. So, it's how far like do that. you want to push this? This sexuality. Well, I don't. Well, I don't have a, a specific point. I'm just saying I want to push myself to keep growing and to keep stepping outside of my comfort zone because mm-hmm. that's what it's been. Right, right, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Listen, I am so happy for you because I've seen your journey from the beginning uh, when you're on The Voice and your solo stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, to now see you here, I feel like you're you're about to have your own tour at some point and thank you you know yesterday somebody stopped me and they were like um i was with my family um saying bye to them after the show and she was like i know you'll be i'll be at your your concert next yeah and i was like oh thank you (laughs) because i truly believe like you know the universe sends you people like that just as a reminder sometimes and I think it's it. the confidence, and I think it's also that sense like, well, if I'm Madison Square Garden now, why couldn't I be later? I think exactly. it's just that simple. So, But it's been such an, such an amazing experience, and I'm super thankful to be a part of the team, truly. So, Well, listen, you look like you're making a lot of people happy, too, because you're getting a lot of compliments on Twitter of people just being impressed by you. Oh, um, yeah, I've seen that. The Royce, Royce Nation. Yeah, yeah. So go yeah. check her out if you're heading out to Orlando, Washington, Miami. Uh, there's a few more dates left on the Five World Tour with Prince Royce. Katia will be singing uh, back up and solo on the X song with Prince Royce. It's a sweaty, sexy song, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow her on Katya Sings on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm so proud of you once again. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to hear from you. That no, listen. Awesome. Uh, Thank I, you for I, letting me know about this. Listen, I'm, I'm glad we're catching up uh, on the tour and on you and everything else. So thanks a lot for being on the podcast. I know you're busy. All right. Sounds good. Have okay, a good Nana. rest of your day. Abrazos. To Bye. Before we say goodbye, here are some new songs you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Bella y Sensual, Romeo Santos, featuring Nicky Jam and Daddy Yankee. Sit next to me, foster the people. Edge of the Night, Shepherd featuring Colombian Sebastián Yatra. That's it for episode 42 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Rolling Stone Magazine's Isabela Raigosa and singer Katia for passing by on the show this week. And thank you guys for taking the time out to listen from your favorite streaming platform wherever you may be. If you like this U.S. Latino podcast, 
please share it on your social media apps, tell your friends about it, and if you can't, have them subscribe to the show. It depends on you guys to get the word out. Hope you enjoy your weekend and stay connected with us via showbizcafe.com. See you next week on another episode of Time. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.